0: it's the next level.
1: primers to this special edition uh part of our 100th podcast uh we've been advertising this for the past couple weeks now we've had this um this guy this this gentleman who you're out here in interview with uh, has been booked for about two weeks now and if not longer actually it might have been two or three weeks that we've we've had this planned and we kind of kept it under wraps for a little while because we wanted to make sure it was going to happen and then uh we got word that how excited he was to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. And that got us excited, of, of course. Uh, but what you are about to hear is about a 35, 34, 35 minute long interview with the wonderful Mr. John.
2: Yes, uh, man, it was such a good time to, I, I, you know, one thing I will say uh, there is a DC project or two that we do not bring up that he was a part of that being in the human target. And we didn't really get a chance to go into the brave and the bold stuff. But I think, The information that and the stories he shares here were more than make up for the fact that we don't get to cover all the DC world. But uh, here's some of the old stories about the the old version of the Flash from the 90s and the new one were just really kind of phenomenal. And man, what what an incredibly, incredibly nice guy.
1: Yeah. And and I think we would have continued longer. uh, But I think he had dinner reservations that he he had to get to.
2: Yeah, he definitely spent a fair amount of time with us to begin with. So and it said like he was very interested in maybe coming back again in the future. So, uh, you know, again, this is not closing the book on John. Uh, I, I think we'll, we'll still probably be talking to him again sometime, hopefully in the next year or so. And uh, But man, this was this was such an amazing experience.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was so nice, so genuine, so, uh, generous with his time, uh, the time that he had. And I uh, mentioned how nice of a guy that he was. Uh, something I've done in the numerous interviews we've done throughout the showcast. I got, we did something, John did something that I've never had experienced before. And I didn't find out about it until recently. In that when we were done with our interview, a couple hours later, he noticed that our Skype my my Skype account was still online, uh, and he made it a point to message me, and tell me how much fun he had being on with us. I've never gotten that before. Actually, that's like the end of it. I'll get like personal thank yous from reps and you know and agents and things like that, but to get a personal response from John a couple hours later, you, like he probably went to dinner, came home, got on his computer, saw Skype was still up, and decided to send that message. That's unheard of. Yeah,
2: that's that's it means he had he truly had a really wonderful time doing this. And uh, when you hear his answers and his stories, you can tell how much he loves the opportunities that he's been given to do these things. And even when he's talking about dealing with the old suit from the 90s, there's you can always see if you could imagine seeing his face during this you can guarantee there's a smile behind every one of the responses.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so we had a great time talking to John. As you mentioned, I'm sure we have not closed the book on him. We will have him back again for sure. Uh, but we hope that you guys enjoy this part of our 100th episode uh, celebration. Um We would love to hear your feedback on the interview afterwards. Uh, Please leave comments in the posting uh, of what you thought. Leave us a voicemail. Let us know what you thought. We'll put the voicemail and the number in the description as well. Uh, But in the meantime, a huge thanks goes out to his rep, JC, for setting this all up with us. Huge thanks, even bigger thanks goes out to John Wesley Ship for even being a part of this celebration, uh, and of course, Bob, huge thanks goes out to you too because you did a wonderful job w- with me uh, with me doing this interview.
2: Oh, thank you, man, and you did too. I mean, like I said, I always love listening to the the opportunities that you had with just doing panels and such, and uh, it, it, this was such a, so, such a great way to celebrate. Number one hundred together on this was was being able to do this.
1: So. Absolutely, uh, so that's that about wraps it up for for that. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please sit back, relax, uh, and enjoy this interview with uh, with John Wesley Ship. From soap star to speedster, our guest has done everything across the entertainment industry board: movies, voiceover, television. Projects like NYPD Blue, Batman the Brave and the Bold, and of course The Flash, both past and present. But what you may not know is he's also an award-winning podcaster, which I know we're going to talk to him about as well. Please welcome the one and only Mr. John Wesley Ship. John, thanks so much for being a part of this.
3: Hi guys, it's my pleasure. <laughs> Well,
2: I got to say right off the bat, uh, the podcast Powder Burns, I started listening to today and I'm on the final chapter already and I just I'm just itching to finish it. It is amazing.
3: Thank you. Isn't that funny? That's David Gregory, who played my eldest son on a stint I did in 2010, 2012 on One Life to Live. He That was born of his creative boredom. He wanted a project, and he thought, well, I've always wanted to do an audio drama in the Old West. He said, hey, Ship, you want to be a part of it? And I said, yeah, absolutely. And he uh, got assembled this amazing cast, and we were able to get Robert Vaughn before he passed away last year. And then our award-winning episode uh, was with uh, Ed Asner, yeah. which calls yeah. for A Broken Man. And then we just finished recording our last one for this season, which will drop probably in about a month. Oh, I can't yeah, wait. <laughs> it's, it's been an amazing experience playing a blind sheriff in the Old West. But that's, that's the cool thing about it because the concept is it's an audio drama. So you see the Old West the way Sheriff Burns does without sight. So it's atmospheric and, and the music is very important. Uh, different episodes have different weather themes. It's it's a very cool little uh, – it turned into something much more than we expected when we started
1: yeah it, yeah, it it really takes you back to, and it was something I was a fan of back when I was in high school and such. It takes you back really to just old time radio. Yeah, you you know you would just sit and listen to these stories, uh, you know, like The Shadow and Amos and Andy and like all those great old time radio shows. And it really took me back listening to it too. I I started listening to it the moment you know we found out about it, and I think within a matter of a couple hours, I had knocked out everything that was out there already. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was so hooked on it. It was, it was, it was great, and I can't wait to hear what you guys are going to keep coming up with it now. Oh,
3: great!
2: Yeah, yeah, it's phenomenal. I, I think that's the beautiful thing about podcasting, too, is it, it brings back some of these old art forms that kind of slipped away. And you, you, there's so many amazing radio dramas that are coming back now because of podcasting. So, yeah, uh, congratulations to you guys, you know, especially to you. I saw that you won the best performance uh, for the Voice uh, voice Arts Awards for 2017.
3: Yeah, the uh, Society of Vocal Arts and Sciences. We actually won as a cast and we won the best uh, performance, best and outstanding storytelling award I think is how it goes but but that was uh not just for me that was for the entire cast in that production
2: oh that's phenomenal well congratulations to you guys again so
3: thank you
1: I um yeah I ran through some of your your accolades as you know when I was doing the intro bringing you in and it's so funny because you know we've been promote ever since we found out we were having you on we've been promoting on social media from Twitter and and Facebook and I, I posted on my own personal facebook page that we were having you on and of course you know i, I list off the flash because that's what we're fans of and everything else and of course half the people on my facebook page are like wait a minute that's dawson's dad uh,
3: yeah, i know <laughs> this, the 20th anniversary of dawson's creek going on the air was was in january and that's really frightening to me because Dawson's Creek is in the second half of my career. <laughs> the second half of your career started 20 years ago. That's a little daunting, but you know, it just started uh, streaming on channel four in the UK. I was over in Dublin for Dublin comic con last summer. And uh, so many people uh, were uh, recognizing me in Dublin. Then we went over to Galway. We, we took a whole week and drove all around Ireland and, there was a group of Brazilian tourists that were visiting uh, Ireland, and they knew me as uh, Mitch Leary. That's 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 who they recognized. So it's uh, it's funny how these things come back around.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I I, I got to say, you know, as um, soon as we found out, you know, you were jumping on, you know, just kind of just looking at your IMDb again, and I, uh, there was something that jumped out at me immediately which was the first time I ever saw you as the never ending story part two. And it it immediately clicked back in my head exactly those moments. So that was a it's amazing to think of just, you know, just everything you've done, because it looks like your career started back in. Was it what was the year when everything kind of started for you?
3: Well, I, my first, I, I counted the end of 1979, probably before you were born. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it was, I, am a relic. I did Showtime's first original movie. It was oh, wow. called, it was part of a best of off-Broadway series. They did the Passion of Dracula, Me and My Girl, and Tom Ion's, the dirtiest show in town. So I was, of course, much to my mother's chagrin, in the dirtiest show in town. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and it was uh, you know really camp. Tom Ion, of course, uh, an icon of uh, New York theater, experimental theater out of La Mama. He also wrote the book to Dreamgirls later on. Uh, but yeah, he wrote and directed that. It was a big hit off-Broadway, and, off and then he did that version for Showtime. Right after that, I was cast as Kelly Nelson in January of 1980 um, on Guiding Light. And that sort of marked, it didn't sort of, it marked the end of my having to do anything else other than act to support myself. So I'm in my, like, what is it, 39th year as a professional (laughs) actor, it's uh, pretty freaky, yeah. yeah
1: but you, you know what? 39, 39th year, you're still getting, you know, roles that are still iconic. I mean, obviously, you know, going into The Flash, uh, you know, we want to talk the 90s Flash, obviously, but I just have to say before we do that, it, what a great time to have you on considering you just returned to the, the current Flash with Enter Flash Time. Yes. And, and I think Rob and I you know, we talk about these episodes every week on our podcast, and I think Rob and I were in agreement that that episode, easily within top five, if not top three, favorite episodes of The Flash they have done so Can far. You,
3: it was great, wasn't it? It was it, really great. A couple of things conspired to make that uh, episode effective. Of course, in uh, season three, we, we really spun out. We had how many Earths did we have? 21, 24 Earths. We had overlapping timelines. We had Speedster Mania. You know, I mean, we had, we really took it all the way out there. And so I figured what they would do uh, at the end of season three is what they ended up doing, which is bring it back to the core cast, remind everybody the hero's journey in Flash 2018, well, Flash 2014 is when it went on the air, is Grant Gustin's journey. And let's bring it back to the core cast. Let's you know not have speedsters running in and out from different earths. And let's just remind ourselves what this show is about. And I think it was a very wise move. But what that set up was in the audience, it set up uh, an anticipation for a speedster episode. So Enter Flash Time, uh, the 15th episode of the fourth season, is really was really the first big Speedster episode. And by that time, the audience was really ready for one. And you add to that that we have Sterling Gates, who's come over from DC Comics, who, my God, he knows the flash inside and out. What they have to <laughs> Very true. To do. We saw Jay Garrick as a scientist, really, for the first time. You know, nuclear fission and fusion, and <laughs> all, all those lines that were <laughs> hell to learn, but, you know, <laughs> It was pretty cool seeing Jay operate uh, on that level, but uh, but the idea that this nuclear blast has been detonated, and the speedsters have to go into flash time. They have seconds to figure out a way to prevent it. They can't run forever, you know. They don't have a limitless amount of time. Jay, being older, has less time. Uh, And if they revert to real time, boom, it's over. Game over in seconds. So I thought, what a great concept. I wonder how they're going to do it. And they ended up hiring mimes, you know, because there were parts where, you know, they had uh, policemen, uh, underground security force, and they had to be moving almost imperceptibly. And when Grant would run by or it would do a wide shot, they would have moved Just a little bit, and then when the explosion started to happen and started blowing us all back, they had to freeze in these positions. It was ingenious uh, the way they did it. I I was thinking, what are they going to have us running all the time through the episode? (laughs) But of course, course not. We were operating, you know, in what was real time for us, and everything else slowed down. I have to tell you, that's one thing from the very beginning that I thought Flash twenty fourteen uh, got right. In nineteen ninety, we spent a lot of time trying to come up with ways to uh, illustrate super speed. In other words, what does the flash look like when he's running? What what is the streak? How do we undercrank the camera? How do we air cannons? How do we and what this show started off doing almost right away is what does the rest of the world look like to flash while he's moving in flash time. So, you know, that having that as as a, a concept and then pulling different people in and out of flash time as we were desperately trying to figure out a solution. I just thought, wow, what a great what a great episode to be a part of. I have to say it's one of my it may be my favorite Jay Garrick episode that I've done
2: well, yeah, that, that makes me definitely ask and as far as playing Henry Allen, what was your favorite moment on the current iteration?
3: I have to tell you, it's uh someone said to me the other day, having seen her Flash time, they said, you know, whether it's Henry Allen or Jay Garrick, you and Grant Gustin just seem to connect on uh a level that is uh deeper than cerebral and i'd say that's true and it happened from almost the very first moment i think part of it has to do that he knew i was the flash i knew what his hopes and dreams or had an idea of what his hopes and dreams were as a young actor going into this enormous show because uh You know, back in 1990, most expensive show Warner Brothers had ever done. We had a third of the back lot at Warner Brothers. I mean, it was to find myself at the center of that was uh, was pretty exciting. It was pretty heady stuff. So having gone through that, knowing what he some of what he was feeling, having watched him work when he did that episode on Arrow and I realized, oh, this is great. There's no acting. You know, he's just real. And he's one of the most authentic uh, actors, particularly for an actor his age. You know, it's like uh, I haven't ever witnessed a false moment. Pretty much everything he does, he's pretty much telling the truth, you know, and investing him, his whole self in. So from the from the beginning and also, you know, we're both from Norfolk, Virginia. We we're both born in Norfolk. He actually went to the same high school as my mother. <laughs> Grand high school in Norfolk and we we're both born in January and he was born the year I was doing the flash and he told me he used that to psych himself up during the audition process so he was already aware of me I was already aware of him by the time we met and uh, and did that great first scene in the pilot which uh, and we just established an emotional truthful connection from the first moment and you know there was just there was no acting involved first of all the father-son dynamic what a dynamic what a drama! yeah
1: absolutely mm-hmm.
3: i mean whether it was dawson and his dad or whether it was psycho dad T- oh t-wolf <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but uh and they wrote it beautifully every time that father-son see because you know we were limited of course i was in we were pretty much limited to that cubicle we did have what i guess was my favorite scene was when I got shanked and ended up in the infirmary and he's sitting there and I'm reading the newspaper and the flashes on the front of the newspaper. And I'm uh, saying, well, I guess Joe was pretty lucky. Joe was lucky. Mm, lucky Joe. Yeah. He was saved <laughs> by the flash. And um, Then I say, Oh, I was saved. Just saved by the flash. I guess I'm lucky too. You know, and I'm, you know, I'm opening the door to tell him that i know that that he's the that he's the flash and he says dad don't you think if i was the flash i would have told you and i love what henry does there he doesn't pull his covers he doesn't bust him but he wants to communicate his love for his son so he says yeah 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 i know but i'll tell you what if the flash were my son i would tell him a few things i'd tell him it's a dangerous world, so be careful. I tell him his father loves him and uh, is very, very proud of him. I forget what the exact lines were, but that was that was such uh, a beautiful and heartfelt scene among many. You know. Oh yeah. I was yeah. editing my reel the other day for uh, pulling scenes, and I'm like, God, it's hard to choose because, you know, Grant and I re- didn't rehearse. You know, we learned our lines. You know, we went through them for camera blocking and a dress rehearsal, and then we just picked up the phone and looked at each other and made a connection and told the truth to the best of our ability. And uh, and that's the purest form of acting. I have to say, playing Henry Allen, I'm so glad I didn't come in as Jay Garrick. I'm not sure I would have if they had offered me that, because in my head I'd be thinking, ah. You know, 24 years ago, I was I'll be competing with myself and I'll be on stage with the these 20 year old, 20 somethings. I'm not sure I want to do that, but they brought me in as Henry when I heard how Jeff Johns had blown up the Allen family, how suddenly Henry Allen was wrongfully convicted of killing Nora in front of a 10 year old Barry. That blew my mind. And I was like, well, if they come to me, that's the role I want. And I'm so glad they did, because I will uh, I'll always cherish being that serving that purpose, both as a member of the cast and as a character uh, in uh, in the formulation, you know, in the formative episodes of Grant Gustin's extraordinary portrayal of uh, of Barry Allen. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I know I, it was something that I was extremely – when the show first debuted, uh, we knew we were getting it. I was extremely excited having been familiar with you portraying the role in the 90s. Uh, I was extremely excited to see you as as Henry Allen and even more heartbroken when Henry Allen was killed off Yeah, on, on the show. But to see you return just a couple episodes later – and I think Rob and I – I think, Rob, you and I had kind of predicted – that it was the doppelganger of Henry Allen that was under the mask. Yeah, we we actually had... uh,
3: Did you really? Because almost... You know, that was also a thing that worked in our favor because everyone thought Zoom. So often they put my face under the Zoom mask and they said, Zoom has his eye. It's Henry Allen. Henry Mm -hmm. Allen is Zoom. And then when that turned out not to be true, people were most people were a little gun shy about guessing that it was me under the iron mask. So you guys figured it out. That's pretty cool.
1: Well don't get me wrong this was one of possibly 10 different predictions we made. <laughs> so you know but um me personally as somebody who didn't I grew up more on on Superman and got into the Flash. I guess around the same time the the show had had aired back in the 90s and you know kind of juggled between Superman and the Flash but I really grew to love Going back and rereading old versions, I really grew to love that Silver Age, Jay Garrick version of The Flash. To So to see you return to the show and don that kettle helmet, I mean, brought me back to, to being a kid again. And I'm, I'm so happy that you're still a part of the show portraying that
3: role now. Thank you. Yeah, when I talked to Greg Berlanti and he was, I figured... You know, people were saying, you know, get Henry out of jail, get Henry out of jail. I figured once Henry was out of jail, he would have served his purpose. Once uh, Grant Berry was fully assuming his superhero persona, uh, he he no longer needed Henry in quite the same way that he did. So that relationship was either going to change dramatically or Henry was going to be leaving town. But when Greg Berlanti spun out the idea that, okay, you're the man in the Iron Mask, and you're actually the real Jay Garrick, who is Henry Allen's doppelganger, and you will die as Henry Allen at the end of the penultimate episode of the season and the beginning of the finale. And then in the course of that episode, you'll come out of the Iron Mask as the real Jay Garrick, Henry, and I was like, ah, Man, Greg, I said, take me out of it. You know, it's like that's just amazing. <laughs> which is the role fans wanted me to play to begin with. So I was like, that is amazing channeling of of uh, audience expectation. I was, as I'm in awe. You know, I was like, my hats off. Of course, I had worked with Greg on Dawson's Creek.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, 20 years earlier, so I was very familiar with uh, with Greg. But yeah, I was like. Wow, you guys never cease to amaze me, you know, what you have up your sleeves.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think one of the things that's kind of just beautiful about the new incarnation as well is – the fact that they're always constantly willing to go back to the 90s series from, you know, Paul DeMeo and Danny Bilson and pull some amazing actors um, and bring them back into the folds like Amanda Pays, Alex Dessert, uh, Mark Hamill, you know, Corinne Burr, uh, and then Vito uh, D'Ambrosio, like all making appearances and coming back into the fold was such a beautiful tribute to what came before it. And I think it was it's got to been amazing for you to have a chance to play off with some of those characters again and you know what was that experience like did you have to kind of really twist or did you kind of fall into old habits with those people again
3: it was it it, the whole idea because you know over the course of 24 years you know the flash went in and out of development a half a dozen times it was going to be a movie it was going to be ryan reynolds it was going to be you know and uh Finally, when they got it made and people said, are you going to be a part of it? I said, well, they could go one of two ways. They may ask me to be a part of it. They may want to separate from everything that's come before and have it stand alone, which I would totally have understood. But the thing that I think makes The Flash so enjoyable and so much fun is Greg Berlani. And I found this out. I didn't know that. Greg Berlani was a, uh, a, a fan of the original effort while I was doing Dawson's Creek. It wasn't until I started shooting the Flash that, you know, David Nutter, Greg Berlani, Andrew Kreisberg, Jeff Johns, they were all young fans of the 1990 Flash. And so they do that, they bring people and instances. And like, I think there was a street, something happened the other day at the, at the corner of Bilson and DeMeo, you know what I mean? But they do it not as a gimmick, but they do it because they really loved the first show. And I'll say, I'll say another thing. Those are secure writers. You know, if they, if they feel like they can reach back into what's come before and pull chunks forward and not be, threaten not have a chip on their shoulder about oh we got to be or so we got to prove ourselves we got to be something different you know we don't want to be compared with you know that's that's a sign i think of really s- secure creators and that's what i always say about those guys you know in 2014 is they were writing a show that they wanted to see you know they were not producing content for mass consumption, they were writing a show that they wanted to see with adventure and uh, and and thrill you know thrill rides, special effects, and heart. And so I think that uh, I think an audience picks up on that. You know, audience members know when they're being manipulated and when they're being lied to. You yeah, know. and they also know when. I, I think it's infectious. And I mean, I remember. When uh, Andrew called me, he's like, boy, have I got a surprise for you. He was so excited to tell me that Mark Hamill was going to be reprising his role as the trickster. He was so excited at every story point and turn, as was Greg, as was Jeff, as was David, that you would get excited listening to them tell you what they had in mind because they were genuinely having a blast and loving what they're what they were doing and I think that's that's a big secret of course Mark and I he had just come from the set of uh, Star Wars and we were in the car going back to the hotel after shooting one night and he said you know it's really extraordinary position to be in to be asked to come back and revisit a project a quarter of a century later you know And to contribute in a meaningful way, not a token way, but in a meaningful way in handing it off to the next generation, which he had just done with Star Wars, which, you know, he and I were doing with Flash. So it's uh, it's been great. You know, I I, I kind of had wished that the flirtation with Henry and Tina could have uh, maybe blossomed a little bit more, but. Who knows? She may come back as some other character on Earth 3. You never know.
0: Yeah. I also the, want
3: to the, see Megan Lockhart. I want to see Joyce Heiser. I'm, I'm hoping for Joyce Heiser to show up.
2: There. <laughs> well, I think everybody's big hopes right now is, you know, as what just happened in this last episode in, uh, you know, Enter Flash Time was the idea of Jay getting ready to kind of retire. And I think everybody's big hope is before that becomes a possibility that we see, uh, Jay and Barry against the Trickster family uh, between, you know, Alex Walker, you know, James Jesse, and and Zoe Clark. Because I think that would just be such a beautiful moment to see all of that kind of culminate and see, you know, Jay in full force throughout the episode uh, against this variation. Because we've obviously seen a quick moment with uh, that Earth 3 uh, version of Trickster that you know, Mark did that was his kind of twist on the Conrad Veep version from the man who laughs. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So... Which yeah, you know, are. it's
3: been going back and forth on the internet because people were saying, wouldn't it be good? Because now that Corinne's there and Devin's there, Mark wants to come back you know, to have that family, you know? It's like uh, with Corinne Bora as the mother and Mark Hamill as the father and Devin as is, is, is the young trickster son. And to have a showdown on Earth 3, And I said, yeah, I mean, we should call it trickster family values, you know? <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it could be a lot of fun. We'll see. We'll see what happens.
1: Mm-hmm. That would be absolutely fantastic. Um, I know we're, we're running short on time with you, but I, one of the things I wanted to question about was obviously between, you know, the 90s version from from when you did it back then to now, uh, you know, not just the, the production style has changed and the production quality has changed, but the costumes have changed as well. Yeah. Oh. and. <laughs> and I got to hear you do a panel. At, I, first off, I, I had to say I got to meet, the opportunity to meet you very quickly at Great Philadelphia Comic Con last year. Oh, great. Uh, and you were super nice. I know you have a, um, uh, another appearance coming up at a con that we'll make sure to mention before we, we leave. And I encourage any of our listeners that get the chance to go to go and meet you because you're you're such a nice, welcoming person. Oh, thanks. Um, but you did tell a great story about the differences – What it was like wearing that costume back in the 90s compared to what it's like now with, like, the Jay Jay Garrett costume and the costume that Grant has to wear. Yeah,
3: yeah. I won't – I I can't compare it to Grant's costume because, uh, you know, it's – Grant's – you know, he still has the cowl. And the thing that makes these suits hot is when your head's covered because, of course, you lose 40 percent of your body heat through your head. Um, Mm. But, yeah, that suit – you know, they wanted it to be lightweight. They wanted it to be hyper-musculature because that was 1990 and, you know, post-pumping-iron uh, hangover, you know, and uh, <laughs> everything had baseball players. Jose could say "Every everybody, everybody had to be bigger than, bigger than light.
1: Yeah, ex- especially superheroes had to be muscular. That was, like, the form back then.
3: Right, but they didn't want it to be hard like... It couldn't be hard like the Batman suit, so they... They really came up with this ingenious, I mean, it looked great until I started sweating so much through it that it was crumbling by about the third episode. Yeah, they spent $100,000 to build four suits in 1990, and they were individually sculpted foam latex muscle pieces glued over a spandex suit and then flocked with a red material. They put like an electromagnetic charge through it. So that somehow all that, give it that fuzzy furry look. And then I was sweating through it. I thought it looked cool. It looked like the muscles were sweating, you know, but they said, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not in the comic book. So they, they had a solution. They sprayed it with a sealant, so it all stayed inside. Oh. <laughs> I, I was the sponge, you know. They would <laughs> they would pull my glove off, and it would be full of water up to the wrist. And they just dumped the sweat out. I had to have a uh, cooling unit like race car drivers wear, and they'd plug me into an ice chest in between scenes. And I couldn't sit down in it either because it would crease and all the sweat. And they couldn't clean it. They I had the four suits, two for me, two for the stuntman. man. they I'd take it off, it'd be ringing wet, they'd spray it with Lysol and hang it in my trailer and it would still be oh, still be wet and sticky when I put it on the you know. Also they had to glue it to my face, under my chin, my nose. It was it was the cow was glued and then they'd take that off. You know, and then they put makeup on or whatever for Barry and then they take the makeup off and then they glue the thing back. So, I mean, there were challenges. Nobody I always interrupt myself at this point and say nobody wants to hear someone who's been given the gift of portraying these characters, whether it's Batman or Superman or Flash. You know, nobody wants to hear us whine about you know, <laughs> how difficult it is to work in the suit. Having said that, you know, it does present its own set of challenges, and it certainly did back then. All right, now we flash forward. Now we have uh, an undersuit with an increased musculature and leather shell that we can take off. Grant's cow no longer has to be glued to his face. It did at the beginning but it no longer has to be glued to his face and it's separate and it can be removed, you know, uh, the undersuit can be washed, which makes it a much more pleasant experience for everyone concerned. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah,
1: Yeah. no more investing in Lysol.
3: No, 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 no. My (laughs) back totally broke out. You know, I was all broken out. I was raw from the glue and the, it was like you know they thought at one point danny said they considered getting me a psychologist because they thought i had this psychological aversion to being in a superhero suit and i'm like danny it's not a psychological issue it was just physically uh physically very challenging plus we didn't have cgi to the extent that they do now so as i heard danny say in an interview he said you know. You know, if we wanted to blow up a semi full of cars and shoot flames 35 feet in the air, we had to really do it. You know, so it took forever. We were our episodes took nine days, two units running simultaneously to get an hour of television. Um, I think flash time. They had some additional second unit stuff, but I believe we shot that in seven days. That's almost inconceivable to me because it was such a, a complex episode. But that's the degree to which, well, we, one would hope in a quarter of a century there would be you know technological advancements that would make telling these stories uh, a little more possible. But, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it, yeah it's a different animal now. But, oh, my God, the hours, all night long. And, (laughs) and, you know, we would be tenting in the back lot of Warner Brothers to shoot night for day. And we'd be going home when the executives were coming to work. And they would look at us and shake their heads and say, you guys, you're out of your minds, you know. (laughs) And uh, But it was... I'm certainly glad I did it. It's the gift that keeps on giving. I tell you, at the last scene with Mark Hamill in Trial of the Trickster, I ripped the wings off and threw them in the air, and I swore I would never get into another (laughs) suit.
2: Well, kind of speaking of that suit, it's kind of awesome, though, too, because that just got immortalized, too. Uh, Mattel is now doing uh, a figure of that 1990 suit in uh, the DC World's Greatest Multiverse line.
3: How about that?
2: Yeah, that's got to be amazing for you.
3: It's freaky. It's like, at my age... It's like, oh, my God, I'm an action. I think I even went to an audition, had nothing to do with The Flash. And I was and I said, oh, I've got to tell you, I'm an action figure. <laughs> and they were like, and I said, I can't, it blows my mind. Of course, they were looking at each other like, OK, maybe <laughs> let's just get this actor out of the room. He's a little unbalanced. But, um, yeah, it's 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 pretty trippy.
1: That's <laughs> that's amazing. Uh but John, we know we know you got to go. Uh, you got plans that you have to you have to head to. Um I want to real quick mention uh your appearance you've got coming up. You're going to be at Steel City Comic Con April 13th through the 15th in Monroeville, PA. Uh again, I encourage anybody who has the opportunity to go go up to your table and meet you get a picture you're you're such a wonderful guy to meet in person and you've become even more idolized in our eyes just for doing this and being a part of this thank you so much for being a part of this i want to
3: congratulate you you know on your 100 that's that's awesome and i'm uh, i'm i'm very uh, i'm grateful to have been included in your celebration
0: well thank you
1: very very grateful uh we'll let you go but john thank you again uh for, for being a part of this
2: Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Rob. Absolutely, and thank you so much for continuing to bring more humor, heart, and spectacle to the world of The Flash. Thank you so much.
1: My guest is someone who has joined us once before back during our DC primetime 100th episode celebration, and I'm super excited to have the opportunity to speak to him once again, especially considering what we just got from the Flash's 100th episode this week. And what's coming from the Outverse this week, or next week rather, depending on when you're listening to this, we now know he's going to be a big part of it, and I can't wait to talk to him about it. Please welcome back the wonderful Mr. John Wesley Ship. John, thank you so much for coming back on.
3: Thanks for having me, Ben.
1: Yeah, it's. I was super excited when I reached out to get you, and because, you know, as I mentioned, we had you on back during our 100th celebration. It was myself and my co-host Rob who, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, isn't able to join us today, but he did want me to send his hello and, and such. So, all right, but yeah, um, I was super excited to get you back on, especially considering, you know, everything that we know and especially what we don't know is coming from this crossover coming up.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot, there's a lot going on.
1: Yeah. And I, I can't wait. I'm one of those people that. When it comes to something this big, I want to be surprised as much as possible. Yeah. So I'm going to treat the conversation about the crossover kind of with with Kid Gloves, because I don't want too many spoilers, but actually I don't want any spoilers, especially considering we haven't seen it yet. But before we get into it, let's first talk about the Flash 100th that just came, that just happened this week. Yes. Because, you know, we saw all these returning characters, uh, you know, from Zoom and Reverse Flash, uh, Savitar. But I honestly, I don't feel like it would have been a proper 100th if we didn't see Henry and Nora at some point.
3: It's amazing from the response that Michelle and I are getting on Twitter. You know, it's like there we were kind of, you know, as a reference for the wonderful scene between uh, Nora and uh, Barry. And, uh, we were just kind of there, but so many people, I guess, because of our traumatic deaths, because the mother son relationship and the father son relationship were written so beautifully, um, that it has as much resonance, you know, with, uh, with nothing to say, you know, as it did with the audience. That's, that's always gratifying. I mean, people are saying it was the most moving scene. You know, and I'm like, uh we didn't say anything, but, <laughs> but it was beautifully played by uh, by, by them both, and uh, it was good to be a part of it. We had a good time.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, it was – granted, it was a small, short scene, but it does have so much importance when you consider, you know, 100 episodes of this show have hit, and, you know, it was – these two characters, whether it be the death of Nora, uh, you know, the death of Henry, these two characters played such a pivotal part in the development of Barry and who he's become in these 100th episodes that, again, I just don't feel like it would have been proper if you if you didn't pay homage to these two characters at some point in this 100th.
3: Thanks. I believe it was also, you know, props to Tom Cavanaugh who directed the 100th Yeah. Episode and also that teaser that they played at the end of Supergirl, Arrow, and Last Night on Flash. But um, I think it was his idea to revisit not the night she was killed. Well, the night she was killed, but not the killing itself, but gave us a window into what was going on that very evening, uh, right before it happened. And I think that... That helped in its own way to flesh out people's feelings about what happened, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. You saw the the in just a, such a short period of time, in a matter of seconds, you saw the love that these two characters had for one another, and yes. yeah, that was I, again that was extremely important to uh, not just that episode, but just again the whole course of this series.
3: It, well, it holds, it holds it's, such an important. And i are very grateful for, for it. You know, of course, whenever you get a response like that, it kind of, uh, you know, it's more than you expected. And the fans of this show, the audience members are so generous with their comments, both at conventions that I go to. I was in Louisville last weekend. The excitement was palpable about what was coming up and uh, and through social media. Yeah.
1: Um, You mentioned the teaser that we got first. It was at the end of Supergirl, then Arrow, and then The Flash 100th that at the at the point we're talking right now aired last night. Uh I, I want to before we jump into Elseworlds, which is coming up next week and that that teaser, I want to just tell you from a personal perspective of everything. I, you know, we, we follow some of the articles and in the, in the news because we do talk about the DC news on on our program and. When the moment happened that that picture was released of seeing, you know, uh, Stephen as the Flash, Barry as Green Arrow, or, uh, you know, Grant as Green Arrow, seeing Melissa, seeing Tyler, and then seeing you standing amongst them in the 90s version of the Flash that you played originally, I, I don't think I've had a bigger geek out moment <laughs> Over the course of watching this series, than when I saw that picture, it was, you know, it was such yeah, a huge it, surprise.
3: It's again for, you know, we got one season 28 years ago, <laughs> and 27, I guess we went off the air in 91. But um, the fact that that the audience has maintained such affection for that 1990 flash is You know, it made me feel like all those long hours working till dawn, dripping wet in the suit (laughs) were about something. You know, it's 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 really awesome. The funny thing about that picture, you know, they kept it quiet as long as they could. And we filmed on the stage and then we filmed outside the alley scene in Vancouver and they screened off both ends of the alley so people could. But the buildings were tall and people started coming outside. On their terraces with their cell phones so suzanne gomez at the cw called steven and said listen get together and take a picture of the four of you because uh, we want to get out ahead of this and then the 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 reaction was was explosive you know kidding around when they'd ask me at convention q a's they'd say are we ever going to see you back in the r- original suit and i'd say if y'all don't Stop asking that question. <laughs> gonna make me do it. You know.
1: <laughs> and look what happened. You ended up doing it. I know. What um? What was your reaction when they approached you with that, with the idea of of suiting back up as that version of the Flash?
3: Well, it it made me nervous, of course, because twenty seven years have passed since I've been seen. My first question is. Is it contemporary to today? In other words, we need to make—I mean—we need to know that a lot has happened because I'm not going to go head to head with myself 27 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So they said no. the The time has passed, as we saw in the teaser, the stinger. Huge events, you know, in my uh, Flash universe have taken place, and uh, and they also, of course, said there would be a new construction. It would be easier. They would not have to glue it to my face. I'd be able to unzip the cowl and slip it off, you know, to let my head breathe, you know. And, uh, and, and, uh, I have to say the leather shop and Kate Main, our costumer, they really did a good job. I couldn't be more grateful to them for pulling it off, you know. Yeah. Of course, I immediately, my first response was, uh, heading back to the gym full time and losing 15 or 20 pounds so that they could, you know, they could, they would have something to work with, you know, they could work from the skin out, which, which they did beautifully. And you know what, when I saw it, I just thanked those, those guys so much, you know, for, uh, for the job that they did. Yeah, they take the village. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, because I remember you telling us the last time you were on, like, the the difficulties that you had with the original suit of, I think you said there was only two, maybe three of them, and they would literally have to, like, air them out afterwards because of, you know, uh, of being wet with sweat and
3: everything. Yeah, spray I saw and hang them in my trailer.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I remember that. So I'm glad to know that obviously it was a a newer suit. I I can't imagine they would break out the old suit from the 90s and make you wear that again anyway.
3: Was the Warner Brothers has a copy of the old suit. I think it's the one that I ripped the wings off and threw in the air because it doesn't have the wings on the suit. Mark Hamill has those wings. Uh, Okay. but uh i think it was that one but they have it in a temperature controlled vault at warner brothers and they sent it to vancouver as reference but that thing if you tust it touched it it would crumble into dust i actually put pictures of it up on my instagram account so that people could see the the kind of shape the original suit was in yeah. all the years later but they took that as a reference and you know there are new materials there's new way to construct it uh, today, which made it uh, the functionality. Listen, I, I am grateful for that original suit. They did not make me run around in a pair of red tights.
0: Thank you.
3: <laughs> um, but it was functionality has uh, has improved in a quarter of a century, as we hope it would.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, and then you know we we jump into that stinger that we got first at the end of Supergirl and you know we get that moment of all those heroes kind of strewn laid to waste and we see your character and well we first see that it's earth 90 which i, I want to say is a kind of a nod to the 90s Flash. It totally
3: it absolutely is okay
1: all right yeah cuz i i love that cuz it you know is that 90s version of that character
3: totally that's yeah. what it exactly means good more about that in the crossover
1: yeah and then we see your character you know crawling up to the monitor and the character of the monitor and we're looking forward to knowing what exactly has happened in that time period to lead to that but i think my favorite part of that teaser next to finally seeing you suited up in that 90s suit again is the moment that you run away we get that little tease of the original 90s theme music Right. With the little you slow run at the screen with the zoom up of the, the flash on your chest.
3: Right. Wasn't that great? Just and then Blackout. And then it's like the first time people saw that, they were like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. It was brilliantly, again, brilliantly directed by Tom Cavanaugh. I mean, it's cinematic. And that when they saw it, that's why they decided that they were going to do – something for the first time, which is to play that stinger at the end of all three shows and use it um, as a vehicle for gathering in the three different audiences and get everybody all together to set up what's going to play out in the crossover. And let me say this, I have never seen this cast or these casts so excited for a crossover event in five seasons. I would usually come for the mid season finale after they had done the crossover. They switched it this year because of the hundredth episode, Mm -hmm. but everyone would just be so beaten because they're hard to shoot. But man, there was no lack of energy and enthusiasm on the set when I was there this time, because it's uh it's really woven into the fabric of all three shows. It, it has an effect going forward so it's really bound into the storyline in a way that you know excites actors and we hope will 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 make the audience enthusiastic. <laughs> you know the funny thing about that picture that you said when the first one where they saw me in the OG suit. The thing that was funny was that the reaction right away was wait a minute <laughs> is that original suit so much so that right at the beginning A lot of people on Twitter didn't notice that Grant was wearing the the Arrow (laughs) suit and Stephen was. It was like the next day that people were like, wait, wait, wait. I didn't even notice this. I was so freaked out by, you know, you coming back as the OG that I didn't notice. What the hell is Grant? (laughs) I said more will be revealed.
1: Yeah, it, it's. It, I'm telling you, like, I, that was probably one of the biggest geek out moments I've had from the show. Other than, I mean, I, I was, you know, there's been so many geek out moments I've had just from the Flash alone. We watch all of these shows and we talk about and break down all these shows every week. And You know, uh, obviously from just knowing that you were playing Henry, uh, you know, Barry's father in the start, uh, you being the man in the Iron Mask, you becoming, you know, transitioning into that moment into being Jay Garrick from Another Earth. uh, There's been so many moments I've had just from you playing different characters alone. And this being easily the biggest one because I, you know, of just my love for the character of The Flash And the original, I mean, you said it earlier, the the original Flash in the 90s only ran one season. But, you know, to somebody like me who grew up in that time period and watched those shows, it still holds a big importance because that was the first time we were ever seeing anything like that on TV, you know, short of maybe like the cheesy 60s Batman before that.
3: Which I loved as a kid. Oh, I
1: still adore
3: it. We were pioneering a new way of telling these stories on television and saying, no, you, you, you take, these are claims, uh, themes of classical drama. You know, the unblessed child of a cop family where real cops work the streets and his father's always kind of putting him down. Cause he's a crime lab. G- we were CSI before CSI. was cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, and then his, he gets these powers. He doesn't want them. He wants to be rid of them. He doesn't want to be extraordinary. And then his brother is killed. And then he goes, okay, you know, I'm going to assume these powers, even though I don't want them. And I have no desire to be extraordinary. Ordinary man caught in extraordinary circumstances to avenge the death of my brother. And we were like, you know what? We're going to play this for real. And that's how they sold it to me when they asked me to come and audition for the role at the beginning of 1990.
1: Yeah. And I think what, what really made me, what really hit me the most about seeing that picture was the fact that I've grown to really love this version of The Flash with Grant and, and Candace and, and this cast. But, yeah. to, but to see that blend, even if just, even if just in a picture, seeing that blend of what I grew up with to what kids are growing up with now and the two of those worlds meeting. I, I don't right. even have the details behind it yet and won't until next week, but it was enough to almost bring me back to my childhood just seeing that picture
3: yeah you know it's amazing it's very rich when i go to conventions and and some very emotional moments happen person to person you know a lot of people come who watched the original flash with their fathers and are now watching the current flash with their children and i'm sort of the thread that runs through that, it's like somebody said, a, more than one person said on Twitter. Well, you're flash cannon now. Yeah, it, I'm like, good lord, what, what a what a mind blower.
1: Well, I think it, I think it'll be interesting because you know, as you mentioned, going to the cons and you know fathers taking their sons and and, you know they get to meet the cast of this new ones and then the fathers are probably more excited about meeting you because you're the one that they grew up with i think now it's it might change a little bit in that these younger generation these kids these sons who might not have known you as the flash before after this crossover that's going to change
3: well i'll tell you the amount of hits on uh netflix the dvd sales it's totally I mean, Warner Brothers was very smart. You know, yeah. they they have revitalized the uh, original show at this last convention that I went to in Louisville last weekend. All the publicity was out for the new show. The promos were out. And uh, it's amazing how much interest, for, as you say, from the younger audience members were in the pictures of what they call the OG Flash. You know, yeah, so you're absolutely right.
1: I think the only thing, and just hear me out when I say this, I think the only thing that might disappoint me a little bit about you becoming canon, as they say, or your popularity growing back up with this younger generation is I have already had a hard enough time finding your Mattel DC multiverse figure. Uh. (laughs) It's going to be even harder to find that figure now because of the popularity of the character.
3: You want to talk about mind blowing when that came out this year and I held it in my hand for the first time. It was like, what is this? You know, it took me decades, but I'm an action figure. Yeah.
1: That's gotta be really cool. And I know now, even since the last time we spoke to you, not only do you have, it has this Mattel figure finally released, but you now have your own version of the Jay Garrick pop vinyl and you're not, not just the Teddy Sears version anymore.
3: I'm looking at him right now on my bookshelf. It's, it blows my mind, really.
1: I have it, too. <laughs> I, I have the whole... I have your version. I have the Jay Garrick. I have Zoom, Flash, Reverse Flash. I have the whole collection of the Flash characters, so...
3: It's so much fun.
1: It, it's just now I'm going to have to fight to find that Mattel figure again.
3: You know, it's interesting, <laughs> character that in 1990, I was reticent to play. I mean, they got me to come on audition because I knew April Webster Multi, multiple Emmy Award winning casting director, you know, she was casting the original Flash. And I was like, used to television spoofing it, you know, mm-hmm. and she got me on the phone, she talked to me, she said, just read Danny Bilson and Paul DeMeo's script. That's all I ask, just read it with an open mind. And uh, And she said, the reason that we're coming to you is because we know that that your training is in truth of the moment and we want this played for real. And that I felt was my task. You know, Danny and Paul and the production team, the special effects, visual effects teams, which were nominated for an Emmy that year, um, they took care of the art direction. um, And I always felt that my job was to play Barry as real as I possibly could. So the audience... Would identify with him so that when I went into the suit, they would come with me and we could have that right at the amusement park, all of us from inside the suit looking out. So that was always my my template for for playing Barry.
1: Uh, yeah, and it's, it's, and it really resonates with when people watch that. I mean, when you go back and watch the 90 series, you can still definitely get that feeling of that when you're watching it. And even so, even with the newer series, you know, when you were playing Henry, I know we talked about this the last time you were on, you know, one of the things that really turned you on to playing, coming back and playing Henry was just the paternal aspect of playing alongside Grant over the superhero aspect of
3: it. Yep. 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 Totally. It was a very I will always those scenes, early scenes with Grant first season and particularly I will always go down in my acting book as some of my most treasured um, moments because there was just such a convergence of my having played the Flash, Grant knowing I was the Flash, me knowing or having an idea of what some of his insecurities might be you know, what some of his hopes and dreams might be. And casting me as the father really hooked me in, in investing in his success in a very personal way. Yes. You know, um, it was, uh, it was very deep.
1: Yeah, I know, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, it, between today and, and the past interview that we had with you, you know, working with Grant, working with Candace and, and Carlos and, and Tom and all those with those characters. But this time around, Being a part of Elseworlds, you got to work with a much larger cast of characters. You know, you worked with Steven this time around, with Melissa, with Tyler. And until we see Elseworlds, we're not really going to know what other characters you interacted with. But what was it like for you this time working with – additional cast members pete you know i've had the opportunity to moderate panels with steven and and you know a a bunch of the arrow cast and i've been on stage with carlos valdez and candace and those guys too they're all wonderful so i'm curious of what your experience working with them for this crossover was
3: it was great of course i had interacted with them at san diego comic cons the years that i went with the flash cast and you know and they're all you know really they're just good people. You know, I just really am fond of all of them, Melissa and Steve, and, um, uh, you know, everybody. Um, but, um, you know, they were so affirming. Any doubts I may have had about showing back up in the original suit when I walked on set and Grant was like, this is the coolest thing we've ever done, <laughs> you know? And uh, Mark Guggenheim said, wrote something like that on Twitter. And Steven tweeted out his tweets about it. It made me feel so welcome, you know, Yeah. It, the insecurities I may have felt dissolved. And I just felt like I was a part of the team. You know, I, I felt that the first time as Jake Eric, when um, in Enter Flash Time season four. I felt like I was working as a member of a superhero team. Of course, the great thing about the Henry episodes and why I wanted to play him when I found out what the new origin story was, because I knew it would carve out a unique place for me and Grant together and for me to hand it off to him in a very personal way rather than superhero to superhero. Yeah. On that father son dynamic, which they wrote so beautifully. You know, but yeah, coming back and being in the original suit and seeing them all react to it. And it just was a kick. It was really a kick. Yeah.
1: Uh, I, I know we're gonna we're running a little short on time, hopefully I got a couple more minutes, but um, one of the questions I know, as I mentioned, Rob wasn't able to join me today, but he did have a question that he wanted me to, to pass yeah. on to you. Uh, you know, we've been seeing in that teaser, we see all those different heroes strewn about, and we've seen other teaser images. I know just this morning, there was an image released of uh, a Bane mask from Batman lore, because we know mm-hmm. we're getting Batwoman this time around. In the future of this series, you know, hopefully we do get to see you return again, whether it be 90s Flash, Jay Garrick, or whatever form. When that happens, knowing that pretty much anything is possible in these universes, are there any characters from lore, you know, comic book lore, whether it be Flash, Arrow, Batman, however, that you would want to see your character share a scene with or be face to face with?
3: I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, they always come up with uh, such interesting. The thing that I would wish that they would do at some point is because it's age appropriate is to delve a little bit more. We touched on it with Mark Hamill or three when we had that crazy outside the bank and I'm catching bullets in my helmet. Yeah. So we taste of it. But I would like to know And they've hinted at it. Like, what was Jay Garrick seeing when he took Wally's place in the Speed Force? He's made several very pointed references to Barry about, you know, uh, when he's got that image of Iris dying and he's saying, did that really happen? And I'm saying, listen, you need to treasure the moments you have with your loved ones while you have them. And I, I would just like, like to see a little bit more. Uh, and play a little bit more because I've certainly played Barry, mm-hmm. you know, of, of who this man is outside of his suit. You know, if if they had the inclination uh, uh, to write it, I would I would totally be on board for that. I was hoping that there would be a little bit more interaction um, between uh, Jay and Barry uh, than there has been. But, uh, you know, I really like the interaction that there was from the coffee house scene where I had the cup and I was explaining the you know Yeah and and through certainly that scene where I take Wally's place and that was almost like father son time but the Jay Berry version of it. And then, and then Enter Flash Time, the last time I was Which- Jay we were diffusing the nuclear bomb yeah
1: yeah which was uh, right around i think that episode had just aired the last time we had you on and that was such that that still to this day is one of our favorite episodes of that series oh awesome because of the interaction with you and barry and jesse and uh, you know everything that happens in that and i don't know maybe maybe a spin-off and we'll just call it like jay garrick speed school (laughs) where (laughs) he's he's training new speedsters on (laughs) his earth
3: I love the mentor uh, apprentice (laughs) role. I loved it in the original Flash when I got to be uh, apprenticed or mentored by uh, Jason Bernard in the Nightshade Mm -hmm. episodes. I loved playing the apprentice part of it, and I would like to play. I got kind of excited when they said I'd be training a new speedster on Earth-3. I hope we find out who that is.
1: I do, too. I mean, we've gotten many mentions of other speedsters in this universe, so hopefully we get to see them sometime relatively soon before you know before the show wraps up yeah so that'd be a lot of fun um one final thing i wanted to just make mention of before we let you go obviously we we talked about powder burns the last time you were on and yes all the awards that uh you know that 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 has won but i thought it was kind of cool to find out that you teamed up with uh david a gregory again to play a different henry back in september
3: Yes! You know, I never connect, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm thick, but I never made the connection between the names. But yeah, he has written this awesome play called Hank and Jim Build a Plane, and it centers on the long-term relationship of Henry Fonda and Jimmy Stewart, despite vast political differences and romantic rivalries. And if ever there was a fable for our time, with all the division there is, it's that the play is fun because it jumps back and forth in time. You see them as old men, as young men, that you discuss relationships. I found out things about them that I never knew. I found out things about Henry Fonda and Jimmy Stewart that I just never knew.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: But uh, most of all, uh, the fact that they would, in spite of their political differences, they met every Sunday uh, afternoon. Uh, barring work or whatever. And they would get together and build model airplanes. And this went from their very first starving days as roommates in New York and continued through their movie salad days, uh, in, uh, in Los Angeles. So it, and it explores all those themes. You know, it explores how do you bridge the divide between left and right and maintain a friendship you know, as you know, man to man, in this case, um, yeah, it's a, it's a brilliant play. We did a workshop of it for an invited audience of people in the business. We got excellent feedback and support, both from people who 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 knew Jimmy Stewart and you know who knew Henry Fonda, and uh, and the and the uh, Stewart family particularly has been very active in helping David. Um, with the play and is very on board. So we hope to get a full production mounted soon.
1: That'd be awesome. Yeah. And especially if it hits New York, because I think that's where, that's where you're reading. Was the reading in New York or was it just about depression in New York?
3: It was in New York. Okay. The reading was in New York city with an invited audience, people from the theater. And as I say, we just got such awesome feedback and affirmation. Uh, David has written one hell of a play. And uh, I hope I get the chance to do a full product. It needs to be produced with somebody. Yeah. You know, it's that good. I hope uh, it is with me, but I will support whatever production gets made because he's he's an, as one person in the workshop said he's a natural born writer. Both. He proved that with powder burns and now he's proved it with this with his play.
1: Powder Burns and, and is still, to this day, anybody who recommends any kind of dramatic readings of a podcast, and especially Western, I, I still recommend Powder Burns. It's the first recommendation I always make. And are we still – is there still more Powder Burns to come, or has that kind of wrapped for the time being?
3: It For the moment, it's wrapped. Of course, anything is possible. You know, I'm sure David is working on all fronts. I think his primary focus right now is the play. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see what happens. I wouldn't be adverse to to revisiting it because it kind of left it in the last episode that suddenly we're running. David yeah. is my, me as the ex sheriff. We're running from the law, you know. So that would be a great switch. Yeah. So way.
1: well, hopefully we get more of that, and I'm looking forward to see what comes of this play because I would. This is something I would definitely love to see and I'll and see and go and watch myself.
3: Thank so, you. Thank um, you.
1: I want to recommend people where they can follow you on social media. You mentioned your Instagram, which is uh, John Wesley Ship Jr. on Instagram, uh, and Twitter. You're just John Wesley Ship. We are extremely excited to watch Elseworlds this week, and I know I speak for myself, for Rob, and all of our listeners. We're pretty stoked to see it. But uh, John, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about it and sharing Thanks. some of
3: it. Thanks. Having me and uh, shoot me a text or something when you see it let me know what you think i definitely
1: will uh but yeah thank you so much thank you